Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I want to start today and talk to you today about what Jesus did for me. My testimony is I was, uh, our family was, was basically in poverty and, and we were living on 90th Avenue in Oakland, basically in a rat's den. I remember times when rats would jump out of the drawer at me. I remember, uh, you know, putting off one of those roach things in the house and, and having, you know, roaches fall in my cereal. I remember uh, all these things that I was, that we were going through. And my dad was working hard, doing the best that he could. At times he would go out, you know, he was a singer, a gospel singer, and he had turned down a million dollar contract to really sing gospel because he, he you know, he wanted to do what God called him to do. And, and so I had struggled with that. I, I would struggle with God. Well, if you were real and if you love me, then why did I, why are we in this situation? Why are we in poverty? And then I, I watched, you know, the neighbor down the street, she would watch, she would walk like this. Her name was Rula and she had a hunchback like this. And the doctor said if they operated on her, they said that myself, you know, if God was real, then why can't he heal that lady? But anyway, as I go on and I was abused, I was molested as a young child, and it devastated me. As a matter of fact, I started to go through life and started to wonder if there was, every day I woke up, can I die today? I, I started to think, is, is today a good day for me to die? Because I was so depressed. Then I met a man, his name was Milton Laxington. Milton was a joyful man, he became my godfather. But he also battled depression. Who here has ever battled depression? Come on, he battled depression to the point. And the reason why I found out from him and his life was way worse than mine. His stepfather was so mean that he made his brother eat a rat for peeing in the bed. And he would tell me stories about what his stepfather did and, and how he made him watch while he messed around on his mother. And how he ran away at like 14 years old and all this stuff happened to him. Well, Milton ends up, thank God, getting saved, but he battled. And every time he would get depressed, he would call me. I was in the eighth grade. And he would say, because he knew that I, I loved him so much. And he called me in the eighth, when I was in the eighth grade, and he said, well, today I'm going to kill myself. And I said, no. And I would talk him out of it. And I would try to, try to you know, always tell him how much I loved him and how I knew that there was a heaven and there was a hell. Because there is a heaven and a hell. Yes. And I had knew somebody who died and went to hell. Her name was Arlene. And I, and I remember telling Milton before this, I remember telling him the story that I knew Arlene, that she, she thought, you know, because she was raised in the church and, and she would always backslide because of men. She would always backslide. And so she basically, one day, Arlene was, she called her mother, as her third husband, and she called her mother and she said, now you have to understand these are unsaved men that, that Arlene is marrying. And she said, mom, I'm going on this trip. And, and her mother said to her, Arlene, don't go. Her mother was a spirit-filled Christian. And she said, Arlene, don't go on this trip. I have a real bad feeling about it. Don't go. But Arlene said, mom, they're waiting for me. They're waiting for me up in the mountains. And, and the men are hunting up there and they're not catching anything. So mom, I'm going. And Arlene hung up the phone on her mother crying. And so Arlene went on a trip while she fell asleep behind the wheel of the car. She fell asleep behind the wheel and she's going on these curves and she went over the curve, went over the cliff. And by the time they got to Arlene, her body, you know, had swelled up. She had a fractured, her, her, her skull was fractured and, and she was taken to emergency room and this is what she said. She said, everyone who stood over me that was saved, was a Christian, I could see a key in them. And everyone who stood over me that was not, she said, I could not see the key. And so Arlene said she felt her, even though her mother and her brother was crying out to God to give her another chance again, she felt herself falling. And she said, I cannot describe. She said, I looked in the dictionaries. I looked at the commentaries, but I could not find one word that would describe the grossness, darkness of hell. 
And she said she could feel it. And she said, where is this devil that I talked about all my life? Where is this devil? And all of a sudden, she could hear a laughing voice behind her. Like, I fooled you. I got you now. And she said she started to quote the scripture that she had learned in Sunday school. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. But she said she was so afraid. She could not even go on talking. And then she said something that got to me. She said all of a sudden, she said she saw a scroll come down in hell. And it was of everything that she had ever did. Some things were blotted out where she had repented. But written across the scroll of hell was the words L-U-S-T, lust. The thing that she had turned her back on God for. And then this next part really got me. She said she heard Jesus begging God to give her another chance. After all the times, all the times that she had lied to God, saying, God, if you get me out of this situation, I'll serve you. If you get me out of that situation, I'll serve you. She said she heard Jesus still begging God to give her another chance. To come back. And this is the thing she said. She said what raised her out of hell was the word of God that was inside of her. And it came to life and it lifted her up. And she says, I don't want to tell one person that I went to hell. But if I can save one person, she says, I will. Come on. She yeah. says, I will. If I can save one person, she says, I'll tell my story. I had told Milton that story. I told him, no, if you kill yourself, Milton, there is no guarantee that you will go to heaven because the Bible says thou shalt not kill. That means yourself too. Oh. I mean, just think about it. Oh. You won't even have the chance to repent. Oh. Oh. But this particular day, I had talked him many, many times out of it. But he said, do you hear the gun? Do you hear the gun? He said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I promise you that I will not even cry, that I will not even pray. This is my hell on earth. And sometimes we can feel like this is my hell on earth. Hell can't be worse than this, is what he said to me. He said, no, this is my hell on earth. And then he says to me, I'm going to kill myself right now. And he shot himself twice in the stomach. But remember how he says that he wasn't going to pray? The ambulance said that was the praying man that they ever heard. Because he got a glimpse of hell. He realized that he was tricked by the devil. But I was so depressed after my godfather died. I went into a state of deep depression. I remember just throwing stuff all over my room. And I went to my brother Terrence over here. And I said, I'm going to kill myself. I can't take this. This is too much pain. This is too much. I can't take this. And my brother said to me, are you willing to go to hell for your godfather? Do you love him more than God? I thought about that. Then my oldest sister came to me and she said, I want to ask you a question before you kill yourself. I said, okay, what? Did Romeo, did Romeo and Juliet really love each other? I said, what? That's a stupid question. I'm about to kill myself and you asking me if Romeo and Juliet really love each other? Everybody knows that Romeo and Juliet really love each other. She said, no, they had a selfish love for each other. Because if you look at the story of Romeo and Juliet, Juliet comes up with this serious plan. And this plan was that she was gonna pretend that she was dead and look like she was dead. But the message never came to Romeo. And if you understand what happened, they missed each other. So when Juliet saw that her plan did not work and Romeo really killed himself, and then Juliet woke up and she killed himself, she said they had a selfish love. Later on, I would uncover the fact if you ever study the ancient Greek civilization, you will discover that there are four words to our one word love. This is for your marriages too, listen. Storge, phileo, eros, and agape. Storge is a because of love. I love you because of something. I love you because you were there for me. I love you because you give me money. I love you because you let me drive your car. I love you because you let me spend the night over your house. But when the because of goes away, then so does the relationship. Yeah. Everybody say storge because of. Storge because of. Then you have another kind of love, it's eros love, erotic love, sexual desire. 
I mean, oh God, you just so fine. I just, oh my God, you just, I just, oh, I love you. Something about you just turns me on. But it's erotic love. It's a feeling love that goes away. If that face, face got ran over by a truck, you wouldn't love them anymore. You wouldn't love them anymore. If they gained 100 pounds, peace out. That's eros love, erotic love. Then you have another kind of love, it's phileo love. Phileo love is a family-oriented love. A family-oriented love. A love that says, I can beat you up, but nobody else can beat you up kind of love. I can talk about my mama, but nobody else better not talk about my mama kind of love. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. You in the kitchen fussing underneath your breath, you know, about your mama, but somebody else say something, that's my mama, you know, that kind of thing. Your brother down the street getting beat up, even though you just, you just got mad at your brother yourself and wanted to hit him or hit him, somebody else beating up your brother, you ain't gonna let it happen. That's my brother, I'm the only one can beat him up. Uh -huh. So that's a family-oriented love, right? So here we have storge, which is because of love, eros, which is sexual desire, phileo is a family-oriented love, it's a brotherly love, and then all of these are selfish-oriented loves, every last one of them, selfish-oriented loves, because in some way it's based upon a condition. The only example that we have in history is when Jesus was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The only example, when he could have rained down fire from heaven, when he could have sent legions of angels to wipe out the earth, he said, Father, Thank forgive you. them, for they know not what they do. That is agape love. That is unconditional love. Unconditional love. I began to grow up learning this, and I started to say, I don't want to have a selfish love for my Godfather. I don't want to kill myself because he died. I have a destiny and I have a purpose. And I'm gonna tell you something. I used to battle depression. I want Carlos to come right now. Come on, Gingy, come right now. Come on. I used to battle depression. I used to battle it so, so hard, like every day. But I'm gonna tell you something. I don't paddle it anymore because Jesus set me free from it. I said he set me free from it. And I learned how to praise and worship my way through it. I learned how to lift up my hands and magnify the Lord. Come on. Once I was uh, dead in my sin, I was in heroin. Um, the Lord delivered me from that. Um, I, I, antes estuve yo atado a la drogadicción en heroína, pero el Señor, el Todopoderoso, me liberó. I'm talking about a merciful God, a forgiving God, a God that cares, a God that loves us. After many, many years of trying to uh, commit suicide, living in the street, eating out of a garbage can. He delivered me. He never left me. He was always there. And I thought he wasn't. I didn't believe in him. 
pahika me out of my affliction. And I, I hate I hate to, to say this, but many get delivered and they obey and they continue on until they die, until they pass away. But not me. Me, a knucklehead. I after the miracles that I seen and how he delivered me from my affliction. Uh, that one day when he told me today is the day of salvation and I did not understand what he was talking about but I was tired of him following me, talking to me and loving me I accepted him, I said okay if you're the so called God then deliver me from this affliction and he did but not go ahead of me I walked away from him and went back to addiction not heroin any longer but other things but he still was with me when I walked away, he told me, okay, you messed up, you can come back to me, we go this way, you go my way. Or if you wanna go your way, it's gonna be harder. I said, I'll see you, I'm gonna go my way. I'm gonna find out who broke up my family. And he said, I'll see you on the other side. So I went through that road, it was hell. I went through hell and back. Once I got to the other side, he said, okay, here we are. What did you find, spirits? Curses, destruction. And he said, well, are you ready? We're ready to go. I said, yes. At that time when I returned, his blessings were up on me again. My son, Sergio, got delivered from, he was losing his hearing. He never lost it. He can hear better than any human being. My daughter, Emma, went through surgery. She was not waking up from surgery. We pray he came back again, and she's sitting over there. We pray for people that have cancer, and they have been delivered. The cancer is not there. We, the church, pray for them. My niece uh, had cancer. We pray for her. She's delivered. She has no cancer no more. Thank you, Lord. After cursing the Lord for so many years and not believing in him, and to know and to see that he is there, that he is real, that he loves me, that he loves you. Yes. How can we deny that he is not there? Or how can we believe what the world believes, that he is cruel, that he does not care? The proofs and the miracles speak for themselves. He is always there. If we just give him a chance. By no means do I say that I am perfect because I'm continually fighting battles, but he is for me. He yes. is for you. Yes. He will deliver you. Yes. He will see you through every affliction that you have. Yes. There is no battle bigger than him. Yes. He knows it all. Yes. If we just give him a chance. Amen. Good morning, family. Good morning. All right. Um, so every time I give a testimony, I always am like for hours praying, God, what do you want me to testify on? Because I have a life of testimonies. I'm only here because of God's testimony. And so today he's called me to be a little bit more vulnerable than usual and kind of tell a testimony I don't think I've shared here. And as I was standing back there, I felt like the Lord was like, there's somebody who needs to hear this today. And so the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, turn up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Yeah. As a child, before I got to college, I went to 10 different schools. What does that equal? <laughs> Severe poverty. My mother was a single mother, and I remember specifically one day, we had nothing, no food, anything. And when my mom would get to the lowest in her life, she would have to, she'd go find a church. And okay, mom, let's go, I'll just go wherever she goes. We didn't have enough gas to get there. We ran out of gas on the way there. She put like $2 in the gas tank. And then she said, Gingy, start looking for every kind of change you can. For about 30 minutes, we pulled out the seats in the car. We found every penny, every nickel, every dime we could possibly find. These, this mother and this girl in LA in the hood, going through the car looking for change. I said, Mom, what are you doing? She said, I can't make this happen, but God can. And so we had no food at home. I'm sure there was a utility being cut off. Something was going on. But what I remember, and I don't remember the details because I was a child, is I remember that my mother did something so supernatural and courageous that when we got home that day, we had more than enough food. 
We had gas in the car. But that's not the blessing. The blessing is that day she planted a seed in me that even the darkest moments, if I couldn't articulate, she told me, find a church wherever you're at. Find a penny and God will make it happen. And so here's the vulnerable part of the testimony. I left home at 17 because I was like, if I don't get out now, I'm never going to get out. My family was in poverty. And when I left home, I'm a little nervous, my husband's here somewhere. When I left home, where are you at, babe? I need the support. I went back to LA, and as a 17-year-old girl, I got caught up in the sex industry because there was nowhere else for a poor girl like me to go to. And so I got recruited to be a what we called then a private dancer, and I would go out in the middle of the night, in the twilight hours, mama, with a bodyguard into places that are darkness that some of y'all cannot comprehend, but some of you can. And some of you are in those dark places. And the things that happen in those dark places that are hard to talk about, the devil you see in those dark places can only come out, you can only come out by that seed of faith. And so by the time I was 19, I was literally running for my life. And so sex was nothing to me. I was getting paid for not to be a prostitute, but I was close. And so the things I did over and over again to make myself feel good because what I needed, man could not give me. Money couldn't give me. I was in college. College couldn't give me. My family was broken. They couldn't give me. And the last night, I went out on a show. I've never really said this this publicly, not at this church at least. I went out on a show out in Riverside in some of the most evil places in people's houses you would never imagine, your next door neighbors. And I went out and these four people dudes had been smoking. They were high all night long. And my bodyguard didn't come with me. They stayed in the car. And when I went in, I already knew the devil was going to try to take my life. I could feel it, and I couldn't feel it because I was saved, but I could feel it because my grandma was saved and praying, and my mother had been praying for me. And even though I ran from the gospel of Jesus Christ, it didn't run from me. And so when I walked into the lion's den, I knew I was in the lion's den. And in that moment, I had to fight for my life. I'm still from LA, some of y'all know what that means. And so in that moment, I had to fight for my life to get out, and I got out. And then I had to run from guns. But God rescued me. Amen. Now, you would have thought I would have been given my life to Christ. But the, the word I just told you said, and when they're old, and I needed to go through a youthful process of some crazy stuff, because by the time the Lord met me on the freeway, me and him, he turned my car radio off on my plane. I don't even remember driving. He said, Gingy, now you got to choose. And I knew in that moment that my grace and my mercy had ran out. And in that moment, I said, Lord, I'll give you this and this, but I won't give you this part of my life yet. And it was the sexual sin part. It was the hustler part. It was the part that was like, when you see me, you see one thing, but you don't know my nightlife. I'm a teacher in the day, but I got other stuff going on at night. And he said, I want it all. And I said, Jesus, I'm not ready. Like, I, we were talking real. I'm not ready. He said, I want it all. And I said, I don't know how to give it all. He said, just receive me and I'll show you. And so in my car, with just me and the Holy Spirit, the word of God pierced my heart. And he asked me to give him his life. And I said, Lord, I'm scared. He said, but I got you. And then he reminded me, I was there with you in that house. And I was there with you in that house. And I was there with you in that house. And I stopped that gun from going off. And I stopped that abuser from killing you. And every step of the way, I was there. And as I went through my late 20s, it was hard. Anybody ever tell you being a Christian is hard has never tried. Because being a Christian, the submission of the flesh. But let me tell you what God will do. When I gave my life to him, not the life where my pastor thought I had given it to him, 
But the life that I knew, if he came in my house right there, he would count, he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That life, he opened my barren womb that had been barren from things I shouldn't have been doing. He blessed me with a husband like nothing else before. And all of those things I couldn't let go of, the drugs, the sex, the alcohol, the drama, I had no taste. 16 years later in my life, I can't convince people that that was my life. But when you know where God has brought you, you cannot stop serving him. And so somebody today, a little young lady, you are dabbling in darkness. Yes. And the Lord wants me to tell you, come out now. Because grace and mercy runs out. And the darkness that is prevailing the earth today is so insidious and like no other. And so today I tell you my story as a leader in the body of Christ. Because that's why we're leaders. Because we've been to hell and back and conquered it on the word of God. And said, God be for me, then who can be against me? Woo! So proud of her right there. Because you know what? You never know what God can bring you from. I'm talking about he can transform your life. Totally, totally just... Come Amen. on, Mark. Amen. Come on, Mark. I, I seen God do it. God is doing some some awesome thing. Yes, for this Lord. If yeah. you open up his shirt right now, you would see the miracle that he is. But he's gonna tell you what happened. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Mark. So I'm gonna give a little rundown on how it's kind of brought up. Um, three months old, my mom passed away. She got hit by a drunk driver when she was walking. Um, my dad picked up the bottle, hasn't put it down. Um, so you can kind of imagine what my life was like growing up. Yeah. Didn't have much guidance in my life, you know. Eventually it landed me in and out of jail. Um, I went to prison and uh, the, the judge got tired of seeing me. So he, he sent me upstate th- for three years. And uh, they will do that. I get a little emotional sometimes about this, you know. Okay. But, Go ahead. So I was in prison 36 months and, um, you know, Pastor Porsche's uh, mom would uh, tell her grand grandson to tell me all the time, it's like, God's going to get you out early. You ain't, you're not going to be there for long. And I'm just like, you don't know how the prison system works because I got to spend 85% of my time in here regardless. So grandmama don't know what she's talking about. And then one day, about a year in, the guard tells me to pack up my stuff and sends me to this crazy boot camp thing I ain't even know about. You're supposed to write your judge and the boot camp and get approved for it. Now, if you get approved for it, you finish the rest of your prison sentence on that on probation. But I already violated probation three times, so the judge would be an idiot if if he gave me that 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 grace. But somehow, you know, God put me in that situation. I did my boot camp. And the next thing you know, I'm out in a year and three months. And that's, that's unheard of as it is. And I was praying, I was praying, I was doing everything. But, you know, and, and, and I got out and then God gave me everything that I asked for, you know. But we have our ways, we have our, our, our personal needs, our selfish ways. And, you know, so as years went on, even after that, that was in 2000, 2013. And then, you know, I started getting into heavy drinking out of nowhere. And and it's because, you know, I look at my dad, he was a heavy drinker, you know, so I kind of followed in his footsteps, you know, made, it made life interesting to me. And I, I, you know, and I got married, I had a son and I was drinking, but I was functional. And then I didn't realize that the devil had a real strong grip on me. And then one night, and it only took one night, but one night I decided to drive drunk. And I flipped, I flipped my car doing 117 miles an hour running from the police. And that car got totaled and I'm laying up in the hospital bed. And you know, I have my brothers and my mom come over there and pray for me. And, And God got me out of that accident and let me walk out of that hospital with just a scar and a broken collarbone and that's it. You would have seen this, if you would have seen this car, you would have thought that that person is gone for sure. 
So God gave me out of that, but yet again, I still didn't get it. Still didn't get it. There's one more thing I had to go through. And then that's when I learned that no matter what you love in life, God can take that real quick. God took my freedom, taught me a lesson, got me out, got me out early. Out of Mercedes AMG, love that car. God took that away from me. And in that last lesson, God almost took my wife from me and my son. And I couldn't live like that because I saw the misery that my dad has and he, he's alone. And I didn't want that for myself. I didn't want that for my family. And when, when that happened, that's when I realized, God, I get it. God, all the things that I love, all these things that I want, all the things that I push you aside of, aside for you're taking away I get it and it took a long time but it was a wake-up call even though I have plenty of those wake-up calls this was a real wake-up call because sometimes we got we literally have to lose everything God literally has to come through and say okay you don't get it I'm gonna take everything from you that way you can set by yourself and understand that you have to come back to me And I'm living out here. I would have never thought I would have lived in California. I'm from Florida and I'm living in California. We all know how expensive it is to even live out here. And for me to be out here because of this church just says a lot. This church is amazing. This church has done things for me that nobody else has. So through the grace of God, ain't no grace like God. God has given us so much grace, so, so much mercy. And we just have to appreciate all the things that God has done for us. Yes. And that's my testimony. Yes. Come on, Jesus. Woo. Thankful God. Thankful God. God is so good. Next we have, and lastly, to hear the testimony today is my nephew, Monty. Yeah, Monty. Amen, amen. How you guys doing? Um, just like my brothers and sisters over here, it was a lifelong journey for me. Um, when I was young, probably like six or seven, I had a dream or a vision, either or, that I died, or I didn't die, but I went to heaven. And um, I, met, I met Jesus there. And I believe that the words that he spoke over me is the reason why I'm standing here today. All the way back when I was a kid, you know, I had a dream, I walked heaven with Jesus and he spoke to me and I wanted to stay there. And um, he told me that's not my time and I'll be back, but he needed me to go and be a witness unto him. And uh, it shook me up, I was a kid. For like a week or two, I was, I was like a zombie. And I wanted to go back. My mom was like pissed off because I was like wanting to die, go to heaven. And um, growing up, I used to, we used to be forced to go to church. But once we left church, we did our thing, just like a lot of young people um, that are forced to go to church. Um, but I grew up seeing a lot of miracles, you know, just throughout my whole family. Um, but it still didn't really sway me because I didn't have a relationship with God. Um, I grew up in Florida for a lot of my life, uh, still doing everything. You know, when I was a little little boy, I want to share this. A lot of my close people that I was around were very lustful. And they kind of forced uh, women on me. And, and, and I liked it. You know, but I was a little kid and I didn't really realizing what was happening, but it, it did something to me. Yeah. You know, it made me think a certain way. You know, it made me have a perspective, a lustful perspective. You know, I just loved women at that point, but it grew. I was a little kid. I was probably like eight, nine years old, uh, you know, and um, just being around things that I just shouldn't have been. I, I should have never seen stuff like that, never been around stuff like that, but I was. And when I was a young boy, I used to 
go to sleep and the devil used to tell me when I was trying to sleep that I was gay. Uh -huh. And I would be like, what the heck? It'd just be a random voice, you're gay. And I'd be like, no, I'm not. And I, we will literally have an argument while I'm trying to sleep. I'm a little boy. That's and right. I used to start right. crying and then I will run into my mom's room and tell her, like the devil was telling me that I'm gay. I know for a fact I'm not gay. You know, I said, he's literally telling me, and, I'm, and it, it, it got so intense where I started crying. That happened for years. Oh. For years, I battled thoughts that I was gay when I was a boy, just for no reason. For no reason at all. Nobody in my family is gay. I didn't even know nobody that was gay. You know, it was just random. And um, I know now, I've I been through that, I was connected to the spirit of lust. The devil tried to take it to the extreme for me to even, uh, it would have been harder for me if I was the total opposite, you know, it would have been harder for me to come back, you know, but I was only halfway as far as being just consumed with lust. And um, so I thank God for that, you know, for, for my mom, you know, because she used to rebuke the devil off me almost every other night, like, huh. we were lying. You know what I'm saying? I'll be able to go to sleep, like, I'm good, you know? And um, I, I grew up, you know, started robbing and having sex, doing drugs, drinking, whatever else. And I started selling guns, you know, at a, in high school, middle school, I had my first gun. I started selling guns in middle school. And um, it was very easy to get guns in the South. And um, there was one night where my cousin was driving me to a party and I turned around, we had a minivan, I turned around and I saw the spirit of death sit behind me. And it shook me to my core. And I turned back around and I didn't say nothing, but tears started flowing down my eyes. I knew that if I would've went to that party, I was gonna die. Oh my. And my cousin looked at me, I didn't even say anything. He said, what happened? What's wrong with you? And I couldn't say nothing, he pulled over the car and it took me at least 10 minutes to speak. I just literally just looked straight. I was crying like I didn't know what to say. I was so scared. And I told him, I said, I just turned around and I saw death sitting behind us. And it shook him because he grew up in church too. And he was like, oh, we're not going to no party. We can turn back around. <laughs> so we went back to the house. Now. Um, but there was just so many signs and um, so many signs that, that the devil wanted to kill me. You know, I was in accidents uh, that should have killed me, flipped the car, just like Mark going over 100 miles per hour. A tree caught me in midair. Those other trees that went through the windshield almost took me out, you know, would have went straight through me. You know, the, the, the officer that pulled me out of the car thought I was dead. I thought I was dead, you know. Um, was in shootouts. Um, another thing, I, I moved to Vegas my last few years in high school. Got into gangbanging really hard. Um, something that really shook me in that, in that season of my, my life. I was driving my friends, my brother, my little brother was in the back seat. And after high school, a lot of the gangbangers would go to this gas station because it was walking distance from the school. And um, I drove by and one of my homies, I was in my, my uh, passenger seat throughout the gang sign. And we just kept driving. And my my homie called me on the phone. And he said, I just want y'all to know that I just stopped somebody from shooting me about the whole car. He said, there was somebody that was standing right next to me. And when you do that sign up, he pulled his gun out and pointed it at your car. I was going to shoot it up. And I stopped him and I told him that was my cousin in that car. And it shook me. It, it, one, it filled me with rage, because I was like, my little brother's in this car, you know, whoop de whoop but it shook me. I said, and I realized that I was a ringleader and I, I was allowing not only my life to be in jeopardy, but the people that I love like, to be in jeopardy too. I was putting them in danger. I, was, I put him in danger just from, just from being around these dudes and he's in my car with me, in the wrong place and wrong time. He would've got hit first, he was in the, he was in the back seat. You know, he, they pointed at the back window. It shook me, but that didn't stop me from doing my thing. Um, but it did make me a little more cautious. Uh, I ended up moving to California and um, to LA with my dad. 
and getting into it out there. I was about to get into it with the cartel, running drugs for them up and down Mexico. Um, the Lord spared me with that. I was about to do my first run, and I ended up getting into a fight. Got messed up. I, was, I fought a six-foot-three, coked-out dude that was an MMA trainer, kickboxer. Broke my behind. Yeah. But um, I ended up going to Florida, partying, came back out here, and uh, I felt the pain in my leg. That was very severe. And um, I was with my, my dad and my little brother in the hotel, and they was about to drive to Modesto. We was living in L.A. And I was like, man, I feel weird. I don't feel like I should be alone. I'm smoking weed trying to get rid of the pain, but it hurts so bad. I was on Percocets trying to get rid of the pain in my knee. My knee was broken, didn't even know it. Uh, I came out here, I called my mom, told her my symptoms, and she told me to go to the hospital. I ended up going to the hospital. They told me I had blood clots. And uh, I had centimeter, nine centimeters in my lung, uh, one next to my heart. You know, uh, one in my leg. Uh, my doctor was like, man, my husband just died from this two months ago. Same thing, same places. And uh, she said, you're a miracle. You know, I thought I was on my deathbed and it shook me. Cause I'm like, at any moment, this blood clot can move and go to my brain and I can kill me instantly. That's that. And I was shook. And uh, I got out of the hospital and I came to this church. It was the first time I went to church in a very long time. I wasn't, I wasn't even going for Easter, nothing. I was just, you know, just put it to the side. And uh, I came here and there was a lady named Sister Sarah Jane and her husband is a surgeon for Kaiser. My auntie told her my story and she wanted to pray for me. And um, I knew what the altar call thing was and everything about that. I knew about giving your life to God. I just didn't know if I wanted to do that. Because I liked it weed, I liked it girls. I didn't like girls, I loved girls. I loved money, you know, I wanted to be rich. I wanted to have nice cars, nice things. And I just wanted to be consumed with fun. I was young, you know, I had a very cocky attitude. Uh, I thought I could fight really good. You know, I just was very, extremely overly confident, you know, and I just loved being alive. And uh, I knew that I would have to give that whole mindset up. I knew that I would have to give up living for myself in the moment. And um, I was an adrenaline junkie. You know, I loved fighting and gangbanging for a reason. I loved having fun. It was an adrenaline rush for me to be in life and death situations for robbing people. It was an adrenaline rush for me. And I know a lot of people go through things because it's fun people drink and, and party because it's fun, not realizing that at any moment it could be your last. Yeah, you know, right. when I flipped the car, I was drinking just like Mark. I was on my way to pick my brother up from work, and I'm speeding for no reason. And a cop, I see a cop uh, pull out, and he started to chase me, but he didn't turn his lights on because he was chasing me. He didn't, know that, he didn't want to know that he was chasing me. He didn't want me to know. But I saw him, and I started smashing on the freeway going in between cars and up flipping it, you know? Um, at a very, you know, you just never know. You never know when it could be your last day. That dude could have shot up the car at that gas station in Vegas in high school, you know? There was multiple times, multiple, multiple times. I could go on for hours on how many times I was in life and death situations and God spared my life. And so I came to church Sister Sarah Jane was like, I want to pray for you. And she was like, I believe God is going to heal you right now. She got to do something. I already know what she was going to say. She said, you got to give everything to God. And when she said that, I'm like, oh, no. I'm looking at my auntie, my mom. I felt this pressure. I'm like, I can't even say I don't want to do it because they're looking at me like, you better, you know. <laughs> And then, but it's going on in my mind, like, do I really want to make this choice or should I just lie? And she dropped her hands on her knees and started praying for me in tongues. And um, I just put my head down and I'm start, I started having a conversation with God. You know, like, I don't really, I don't want to lie to you. I don't want to go through the motions of, of me saying, oh, I'll live for you. 
and then get me out of this and then I'm back to doing what I was yeah. going to do before. Good. You know, just like I've done many, many, many times. God, please get me out of this situation. And then I'm right back to doing what I was going to do. And um, so she's on her hands and her knees. And I'm just like, God, I, I've seen my mom get healed. I've seen everybody get healed. I've seen so many people, demons get cast out of people. You know, and I'm just like, look, I've seen you from afar off, but I don't really know you for myself. I said, if you show me that you are real, and I didn't say this out loud, I said it in my heart, I said it in my mind. I didn't say anything out loud. I didn't, I didn't want nobody knowing that I was battling this in my mind as far as making a choice to serve God. I said, God, if you show me that you are real right now, I would give everything for you, everything. Because then I would know for a fact, everything I've heard about you since I was a kid is true. All the things that I've seen isn't some weird stuff going on in my mind, but it was actually, that actually happened. Demons actually got cast out. My mom was actually healed from stage four leukemia. You know, all those different things that I've seen with my eyes. My mom being raised from the dead twice, you know, she came back to life. She had internal bleeding. My, my grandma said, told the doctors, don't touch her. The Lord is going to heal her. Stop the internal bleeding from killing her, you know. Um, I just seen it, but I'm like, God, I want to know you for myself. I want to know that you're real. If you show me something. Now, I was on, my knee was broke all the way down to my ankle, my tibia. And I said, I was on crutches, and they took them from me. I said, if you show me, I didn't say heal me, I didn't say, I just said, show me you're real. And in that very moment, it wasn't even half a second, I felt the power of God for the first time in my life overcome me. And I started shaking. And I, and I just felt like an energy go through my body. And I'm like, what is this? It was almost like adrenaline, but it felt way, it felt a little yeah. bit different. And the sister Sarah Jane got up instantly like she already knew that it just happened she felt it in the spirit it was a release she said God said you could run now and I started laughing <laughs> I said you crazy you're crazy you think I'm about to take off running my knee is broke not knowing that I was totally healed I started walking around and then I'm just like man I don't feel no pain and I started jumping I don't feel no pain and then everybody around me is like, starts going crazy. And I'm like, this is crazy. But not only did God heal me physically, but the lustful desires, the weed addiction, the adrenaline junkie addiction, everything, my whole perspective of life, of how I was living, was totally changed in that very moment. And I didn't even realize it. So I just want to thank God because, you know, a lot of people, it takes years for them to just break one thing off them. They battle something and it takes them years. But I know what set it off for me. It was the fact that I hated the lie that I was living. I knew that everything that I was doing and how I was living and the things that I taught up, that I was, I was brought up to learn about girls and money, it was all a lie. The whole lifestyle, how it, how, how media portrays it to be so glamorous was a lie. And I hated it. I hated everything about being, being overly, you know, prideful and, and cocky and confident. I hated it. I wanted to be humble. I, I, I knew for a fact that God had to totally just change me in an instant because my whole mindset was, was wrong. The, my, my, my brain was wired totally wrong, you know, and God changed that in the very moment, just with me saying, God, if you show me, I will live my life for you, and I will tell everybody about you. And he set me on fire in that very moment, and I've never been the same. Amen! Come on, Jesus. I want to invite the musicians and everyone back, uh, the singers. By the way, wasn't that a powerful, powerful testimony? Yes. God, God doesn't care what you've done before. There, there's no ditch so deep that he's not deeper. There's no mountain so high that he's not higher. Come on. He can transform you, make you born again, make you a new creature, make you a new person. I started off telling you, 
about the lady, Brula, down the street. And I said, well, God, what about Brula? If you're real, can you heal her? The, the lady that walked like this, the lady that had to pour, put pillows behind her and fall back in a chair. Let me tell you something. My parents went down there to pray for that lady and the Lord healed her on the spot. Amen. She made this ugly face and her back snapped into place. And she started running up and down the street screaming, Jesus is real. 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 And he loves you. I want to just bring a short correction. Ava's doing a lot better than she was, but she's not totally off the ventilator. So we got to keep on praying. We got to keep on praying that, that, that this week they totally take her off. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, we got to keep on praying that. We believe in God for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Y'all know I could go on and on with my testimony. I used to be paralyzed, driving my, dragging my foot around. But Jesus healed me. Yes. He touched me. Yes. And I've never been the same again. Yes. So if you're here today, if you're here today and you want God, you want to make the Lord your Savior, you want, you want to say, Lord, I want to surrender it all. I, I don't want to be saved. Come on. I don't want to be just saying what they want me to be here, but God, I want to surrender to you. I want to give my life to you. I want to give my heart to you. God is looking for your life. You know, as Monty was talking, I thought about this. The devil always shows you the girl with the slim cigarette in her hand, but he doesn't show you the cancer. He shows you everybody hot and horny having sex, but he don't show you the 26 significant diseases that you can catch. He always shows you one side of the picture, one side. But I'm telling you right now, you need to get up out of your seat. Somebody right here and just meet me at this altar and say, Portia, you were talking to me today. I'm giving my life wholeheartedly. I'm giving my life full force to Jesus Christ today. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.